0: Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative-turned-marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on The B-Side with James Barrow. Can robots really be creative? In episode 34 of The B-Side, I speak to Richard Savory, a developer of artificial intelligence and robotics, who is trying to find the answers to this very question, and many more through music. He's a research fellow at Macquarie University, developing new robotic musicians like Shimon, a freestyle rapping, singing, jazz improvising, and marimba-playing robot. His work has received widespread media attention, including a Guinness World Record for the first robot to participate in a rap battle, He's had articles published in the Scientific American, BBC Radio and The World According to Jeff Goldblum. We discuss his research and the science behind creativity in robotics and AI. And I ask a whole bunch of dumb questions like if the robotic music industry will put human creatives out of a job. This was an incredibly thought-provoking and super exciting chat on the convergence of robotics, AI and creativity. Richard is a wonderful guy and doing some truly amazing things. I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. Cheers. I'm here with Richard Savory. Now, is it Savory or Savory? You know, it's Savory, but it doesn't matter. Richard Savory is going to talk to us about rapping robots, go figure, uh, marimba playing robots, and robots that can demonstrate creativity in wonderful new ways. Why don't I hand over to Richard? Tell us a bit about yourself, man, before we go into your work and all that other amazing stuff. Uh, Cool.
1: So I guess I'll step back to after school. So I did my undergrad, actually, in jazz performance at the Con here in Sydney. And that was really cool, and I spent a couple of years working after that. But then for the last nine years I've been in America, where I kind of really shifted to the idea of technology and music and robots and AI and how that, all those things could intersect. I guess because when I finished my jazz degree, I really wanted to see... I guess I wasn't satisfied with understanding how jazz worked and how that would work on a computer. So the next thing was kind of think, how can I program that more? How can I make computers program? And then I wasn't really satisfied with computers because the sound's digital. you know, It comes out of a microphone. It comes out of a speaker. And so then I was turning to thinking about how can we have a robot play that. And so after I did my undergrad degree, uh, I went to America and did my master's at the University of California, Irvine, which was, uh, it had a long name integrated composition, improvisation, and technology. <laughs> and so it was really, it really yeah. like, um, it kind of let you do whatever you want at that sort of intersection. And so I started working on AI and music there and working out how can music uh, be generated by computers. And then I was working around LA for a couple of years as a composer and technology slash performer. I really wanted a step further into AI, so I then went to Georgia Tech where I did my PhD. And that was really where I like dove into robots because it was a really cool environment because we had mechanical engineers, people who were yeah, yeah, able yeah. to do the hardware stuff much better than me. And I could apply the software and music skills to the robots. Yeah, isn't that amazing?
0: So not so much in the engineering, the mechanics of it. It's more about programming of the robots so they can... Participate in these musical ways or collaborative ways is that the i'm, I'm using really clunky terms here <laughs> yeah, yeah no
1: absolutely that's yeah i agree with that sentiment so the idea if you think about a robot musician you have to be an expert in music an expert in computer mm-hmm. science yeah. an expert in mechanical engineering expert in all these things and so no one is and so my expertise is really music and then computer science software sure and so i can make robots i can make motors move up and down but like a mechanical engineer who understands physics and all that sort of stuff is not me. If I need that stuff, I call someone you else. You call someone, to, someone to do it. I <laughs> yeah. see.
0: I see. Yeah, that's cool. I've got to get closer to the mic. I'm sitting in front of a deck with about 50,000 knobs and buttons. I don't know what any of them do. Hey, have you always been into music? Because it's something that you had a sort of natural fascination for. Uh,
1: you know, it wasn't... Re- in a sense, I started playing piano when I was, I don't know, eight, and then I dropped it because I didn't like my teacher. And oh, then, really? so when I went to high school, I really started playing saxophone. Mm, and, you yeah. know, I- I've wondered if music how strong music is to me because it's everything I do now but it was really that I had a really good teacher in high school that taught me to music and that's kind of how I went to it so I don't think I was like growing up as a little
0: baby playing, you know, saxophone or anything. It wasn't
1: really till like high school where I really yeah. became interested in music Did your parents,
0: they, they realised your music potential then, hence the piano? Or was it more something that they just wanted you to do? Cause,
1: I mean, so my yeah. parents are both musical. My mom right. plays piano, my yeah. dad plays guitar. But it was definitely never like
0: a career path option or anything sure. like that. Richard Dawkins has been popping up quite a bit in my various feeds. And he talks about the human body being the vehicle purely to pass on our genes and I wondered if you thought there was a musical gene. Yeah, I don't know, I
1: mean it's complicated. I mean so my yeah. mum was actually a director mm. of like live ceremonies and stuff. She did the sure. Paralympics, so there's definitely a creative element there. But I, I guess I don't really believe that. I think everyone is creative and creative could yeah, everyone. That's so yeah. really about nurturing in every person.
0: That's that's the that's the premise for my whole podcast. It's yeah. you know, I don't believe it's gene based at all. And I don't think the research shows that it's gene based. I think they haven't been able to determine a link. Uh, genetically to creativity, it's more about inputs and, and, and environment and connect- yeah. making connections, and all those things can be learned, right? And hence your robotic yeah. research. Yeah, I definitely. I
1: think everyone can be creative. I think it's learned. I think like school. This is kind of a cliche, but I think school definitely takes creativity from people. And a lot of music lessons teach people not to be creative when you're yeah. learning basic things and not improvising. So I, d- I definitely think everyone can be creative, and creatives like a a base part of being a human, really.
0: Yeah, you've talked about your background. What are you currently working on and maybe you can talk to us about your more recent projects?
1: Yeah. Well, so right now I joined Macquarie University in January as a as like a three year position where I'm developing a new robotic musician. So in the past I was developing the Marimba playing and rapping at Georgia Tech. But they were it wasn't my robot originally. I came came on board when there was already an existing robot and I modified it. So right now it's developing a new robot it's going to be have four arms and play four drums in front of it and it's going to have wheels so it can turn between drums different drums and tuna drums wow and also going to be rapping and singing from the voice component like a whole performance just by itself yeah so definitely hip-hop beats will be the starting point but then i want to explore i mean saying any, any genre is really like sometimes see a composer so they can compose any genre and it's like you just don't really understand how the world works that's yeah. kind of a film composer perspective i can compose yeah. anything yeah yeah and so i'm certainly not going to claim that but i really want to explore a whole lot of areas of hip-hop and then yeah pop and jazz and yeah. those kind yeah. of
0: traditions. you had a rapper battling essentially yeah. a robot man that is just kind of crazy stuff can you talk us through how that came about and the technology behind it yeah
1: so there's a lot to unpack so it started with um so we're in atlanta where which has a huge hip-hop scene it's like one of the homes of hip-hop really and i was always listening to hip-hop from you know growing up listening to hip-hop so it's something i really liked and we had this rapper approach us whose name was dashil smith we call him dash and he was like he just wanted to collaborate with us he didn't have anything in mind or any ideas he just like liked the idea of the robots and wanted he also plays trumpet so he wanted to play trumpet with the robots and so from there we kind of we had him perform trumpet with us for a bit and then I was actually uh, working with this singing robot, making it sing first. And so mm-hmm. for that, we, we did a whole album of the robot singing and performing the songs. And then, actually, that was at the start of COVID. And so we're going to go on tour and then it didn't happen, the tour where we're singing. But one of the, the things that disappointed me about the singing was like, You record a track, the robot sings it back every time. Every performance is exactly the same. Oh, okay, yeah. We can have that sort of variety. And for me, the really interesting thing about a robot, or music in general, is having it change over time and change every performance. So it was kind of like, how can I make these songs change? What can we do to change? And there's like, we're working with Dash, there's hip-hop in Atlanta. There's like this obvious kind of area of rapping a robot.
0: And in terms of the rapping robot, did how did it work? So in uh, freestyle – we at my previous – one of my previous agencies, we had Freestyle Fridays, so everyone would have a few drinks. And then we would just, like, get loose and just start freestyling. And, you know, if I was in here now, I'd say, I've got 50,000 buttons, I just had a lunch of mutton, I wish it was lamb. And then you would respond with – Something picking up on the lamb, and, yeah. and you know, by, but you'd be pattern recognizing and you'd be associating trying to make new concepts, and you'd be better at me 100%. No, but 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 I mean, that is that what the robot does? So then it'd go, Okay, James, I see your you've mentioned a few things, so explain that like, how does it work?
1: Yeah, I mean, so that's exactly what it does. Uh, so to give credit, like. I met with Dash. We used to meet every month and go back and forth, and he would interact with the robot and would find out what makes sense. So was, he's, he he really inspired the project. And I learned a lot from him in that. But it's exactly what you said, where he would rap something, and then the way it works is the robot would be listening. Like, he'd be rapping into a microphone that would go into the robot. Yeah. The robot would process that. It would turn, it, it'd turn the rap into text, so it could, like, process ah, the text. It would also yeah. try and capture, like, the rhythms. So, yeah. like, where a word would start and end and how you're related to the beat. And then from then, it would process those words and then generate a new
0: phrase based on what Dash said. Yeah. And it sounds as though there has to be a really advanced level of AI to be able to understand the context behind the words in order to r- respond to them. I mean, how m- important is AI and all of that as well? Yeah. I mean,
1: know? so the whole thing is driven by AI and deep learning. Sure. Which is a type of AI, I guess. Uh and so it is complicated. I actually, this is one of the things I'm like really excited about in general is because of approaching this hip-hop challenge, I kind of came up with a new approach to like deep learning. I mean, it's not like changing the world, but the way the system could learn, the way AI can learn. Mm, and so mm. I kind of tried to take these lessons from hip-hop and put them into AI. And so to kind of talk about AI as little as possible, like the technical, but to give some background, AI systems usually have this, what they do, character embeddings so if it's sure. going to learn how to talk or text what it's going to do is process character by character so it will learn A, B, C and then each of those and then yeah, we'll learn things yeah. like vowels and consonants and so that was happening and then more recently from like 2013 the process turned to word embedding oh. word embedding where yeah. it would learn like the relationship between ocean sea and boat all oh, those right. things related yeah, and yeah. so that's the way most of the systems in the world work right now so if you're using Siri or any of those they're responding basically with word embedding as mm. part of the system yeah. but that doesn't work for hip hop because uh I can't think of a good, exa- that was a good example. But the way words combine aren't necessarily like ocean and sea. Like you no, might button no. and button. That's not the same. That's not the same no, error at shouldn't. all. it shouldn't.
0: And there, there's no real connection, obvious creative yeah. connection between those two.
1: Yeah, so what I did working with Dash is I developed this phoneme embedding where it learned the syllables by syllables. Sure. So it would learn in a phrase that utton is like "arden" and ah. like really Preacent and put a preference on that. Hmm. And so that was kind of how the AI part worked at like it processed like 50,000 hip hop lyrics, it learned from them, and then it, it learned the phonemes in each of those, like the whole thing. So, the sure. phonemes is like the syllables, so it would break down everything into syllables and learn syllable by syllable. So, sure. it learned to uh, process that
0: way. That's amazing, yeah. What's the name of the robot again? It's um, uh, it's Shimon, Shimon, yeah, yeah. Shimon, Shimon. Is it like Shimon, or is <laughs> <laughs> that so funny?
1: That wasn't something you know. Uh, so there was name before I got there. It, yeah. It's a Hebrew word for to listen.
0: Ah, right, to so, listen. up. Ah, yeah. brilliant. That's beautiful. Shimon.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah. but the Michael Jackson thing, Dash was the one who pointed that out. I didn't realize oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, Gil, who was the original creator, didn't realize that either. I don't even know.
0: What does it mean, Shimon? shimon. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I don't know where it came from. It's so it came it was just one of those quirks that Michael Jackson Yeah. Had. So Shimon, so on the scale of um, Shimon, on the scale of um, best freestylers in the world and Shimon, do you think shimon will ever surpass them is there a the potential to grow and get better and you know because humans have kind of limitations uh biological limitations whereas the robot wouldn't is there
1: so i think it can certainly improve and i think it can improve to the point where it can be an equal in some sense collaborate on a stage with any rapper and mm. can be hopefully mm. contributing something so if you had the best freestyler on stage potentially it could collaborate in an interesting way that would yeah. And so that would be the goal if it could work with anyone, and then hopefully yeah. it would inspire them, and they would inspire it, and it go back and forth in that way.
0: So, can it? I guess my better way of framing the question would be: Can it practice and learn and get better at freestyling, almost from a creative, executional perspective as well as a conceptual perspective, with time, or inputs or experiences? You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's something that I've only really recently been working on. Is uh like originally I would do the sessions with Dash and then it would forget the session. Oh ah, yeah, session. Yeah, like yeah. it would build I would change the software and it would be better. Sure. But one thing now is like remembering everything Dash has ever said and being able to draw back on past things Dash said and going back and forth. Yeah. So in that way it is improving and learning over time.
0: That's really cool. I did read your paper before, between and after enriching robot communication surrounding collaborative creative activities. And the word collaboration has come up quite a bit. You wrote that with um Lisa Sahare and Gil Weinberg. And there's some really interesting, like the conclusion, I'm just really sort of streamlining this and getting right through to the points, I guess I'd like to discuss with you. The paper presents a new generative system for emotional music prosody that is implemented in Shimon, the creative robot. So I guess calling it the creative robot, I've got three questions to begin with. Uh, What is creativity? What is artificial intelligence? and what is a creative robot? (laughs) So based on the research you're doing, you'd have to understand and define creativity. What is creativity? You'd have to define what creativity is right before venturing down this path.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I have different answers to that. I have the answer like I kind of intuitively feel, I guess, where I feel like creativity is something we all have as humans and it's kind of how we approach challenging situations with a creative perspective and go through it for an academic paper i have a different answer yeah i'd like
0: to hear that if you could just summarize it as well so
1: so the academic paper i really just take from margaret boden who's like a one of the leading researchers in computational creativity so she talks about how creativity is a balance between novelty and coherence so you could have something completely novel like uh Mm. throwing paint on a surface and not having any like throwing paint on a porch or something like that it would be a huge mess so it's really novel because nothing like Mm. before but uh without the coherence element there's no creativity there sure and so working out how creativity is balanced between novelty and coherence and so when I measure creativity in a robot system I'm always thinking about is it like both novel from a perspective and creative from a perspective Mm. and of course novel is another huge thing another thing Bowdoin talks about is like historical versus personal creativity sure so you could draw uh circle and no one and you haven't seen a circle before so that's a huge you've learned a huge amount for yourself yeah but there's no historical creativity in that because everyone else already knows that yeah and so there's so i think there's all these elements of creativity and kind of from academic academic perspective i always draw on that yeah
0: yeah um and to my second question what is artificial intelligence from your academic standpoint
1: yeah uh this is one It's funny, I feel like I don't actually, you have to make a definition. Normally in academic papers I just say artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence and and people kind of take it away.
0: What do you think it would be for the general public? We think of artificial intelligence and it's somehow tinged with negativity. I mean, what is it? it Without that negative bias, it sometimes gets caught up in, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I I guess if taking it from like a non-academic perspective, I really think it's just an approach to computer systems where you're... uh, I mean, there's lots of branches to it, but you're really working out how a computer can act intelligently. I yeah. think, or a robot. Yeah. Or any software can act intelligently. Yeah.
0: Are there, like, five signs of intelligence that you look for in a robot when it does start acting intelligently? Or?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a, the common line, that artificial... you probably heard this. Artificial intelligence is neither artificial nor intelligent. Mm. There's, like, mm. a common takeaway from that. Yeah. And so I, I do think there's some truth to that, like... The artificial part is really driven by humans, so, like... When I make a system like the the robot's working on its own, but it's all stuff that I've coded and I've thought about. It's mm. no nowhere near at the
0: moment having its own agency. Yeah. Beyond yeah, that. yeah. And so then my last question. <laughs> I've got a few more, but these are the first the first sort of theme I'd like to cover. Uh what is a creative robot?
1: The way I like to think about it is that it's just a robot that can act as a collaborator with a human. I think for me creativity is all about collaboration yeah, and about yeah. those interactions. So a creative robot is someone a robot that can come into a, a setting and then add something new and add something unexpected that wasn't yeah. there. So yeah. it could be by itself. It could come and paint something. It could paint, say, paint a landscape in a way that you would never expect or it could come into a musical collaboration.
0: Yeah, you talk about that musical collaboration a bit in that paper and improvisation comes up quite a bit, the themes of improvisation and, to your point, adding something that wasn't expected. Uh, and I, um, I've seen videos of Shimon and he seems to be really loving and has that agency and loving what he's or she or it is doing. It doesn't have a gender. I mean, it's called Shimon, which I think is male gender. But anyway, I'll call him a he for the sake of yeah. simplicity. Um, but he seems to be really enjoying it. Like he's playing on the marimba and he's bobbing his head and he's looking around and he's riffing on the beats and the flows and the the you know the other musicians and their flourishes and he's sort of adding something different to the. Do you think Shimon's enjoying himself? It depends what you mean by enjoyment. So, when is dancing or moving its head to music?
1: Like, it's processing the music, it's hearing how much of their beat there is, and then it's mm. like responding back and forth to that. But the idea of enjoying depends what enjoyment is. So, I mean, it's fulfilling what it, it wants to
0: do, which is possibly it is how you possibly, enjoy yeah. It. Yeah. It goes back to agency as well. Yeah. You... So, your research presents really wide ranging implications. And it could open up a whole bunch of new future concepts for, for how we interact and collaborate with these these um, robots, what are some of the, I guess, applications or implications for society and as well as um, industry? I think actually an interesting thing to point out for that perspective would be the project
1: before where you mentioned the emotional musical prosody, Mm, because mm. for me, that was a really strong application of music to robots and like kind of how that could have much broader meaning for everyone. And Mm. so I guess I can summarize that project was the idea of emotional musical prosody, Uh, So prosody is the parts of speech that are not the words. It's a really simple description. So it's the pitch or rhythm. Sure. And so if I say the same thing, the same words, you can be totally different understanding. Sure. And so for that system, um, the prosody came from musical phrases. I really wanted to think, how can a robot talk without words and what does it mean for a robot to Uh, talk without words? Yeah. So again, if you have, like, say, a robotic arm or a vacuuming robot, there's no reason a robot like that should use words. Like, Mm. there's no part of its functionality. Sure. Sure. And so, uh, this is kind of been uh, you know, a confusing way to explain this concept. But like thinking, how can a robot like that talk, and how should it talk? And then turning mm. to music as a way to make that talk. And uh, yeah. that's where emotional musical prosody came from. This idea of musical phrases on these robots,
0: and then they can talk with that. That's really powerful, isn't it? I've heard people speak about, it, and I've mentioned it on my podcast the power of music as a language before, and it is almost a universal language because everyone will understand what the feeling of a lower note meant without even and it can be so powerful that it can trigger thoughts in your imagination that go far deeper than saying sad yeah do you know like you feel literally biologically feel something and no other like written sound words can't make you do that with such efficiency if you could see it as data you can pack more data in a sound than you can in a written piece of text is that
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I think I remember the podcast. I think it was the indigenous one. I can't remember the, the name. Yeah, um, Tyson thought. Yunkaporto. Who's yeah, and you guys, person. you spoke about how music can express so much more than words in Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I heard that, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how I think about it. And that's a huge, like, a huge, yes, it's so great to hear other people saying that. Yeah. And yeah. so part of the idea was that a robot, uh, like it can convey so much through music that it cannot through words. And yeah. it's a total another communication avenue as well. Yeah. So imagine if you have 10 people talking at you. I mean you can't hear what, what all 10 people are saying oh. but you can hear 10 people in an orchestra playing together and you can hear 10 phrases from that coming mm-hmm. to you and so potentially like in going back to the application in an industry perhaps an industry in a factory or something if you had musical phrases triggering like alerts telling you different new things it's a potential mm. whole way new way to interact with robots that's
0: fascinating it really is really is you also talk a bit about design now i don't know if it's behavioral design or if it's physical design but the importance of design outside the tasks the primary task the robot is setting itself to to do and there being some you know external design choices that alter not only the impression of the robot but the impression of its primary functions. Now, does this mean that the more human it looks, you know, anthropomorphic, if you will, the more creative we perceive it to be?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really, that's a question that question makes up a lot of what I think about. So I really, I really strongly believe in the idea of mechanomorphic design, mm. which means. Designing as if it's a robot and trying to make it like a robot. So if you're designing a robot anthropomorphically, you're really trying to capture as many human features as you can. Sure. And so mechanomorphics trying to capture the elements of a robot. And so that, that's kind of vague in itself because uh, what does a robot look like? What is it yeah, look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you think of a robot that plays music... What should it look like? Well, it should definitely be able to play music. It should have functions that let it control a marimba or move its mm-hmm. arms. It should mm-hmm. have a mouth because it's projecting words. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then it should be able to move to the music because that's a a core part of being a musician, yeah. and being music. But it doesn't need to have uh, other human features. A skin or a, yeah, probably. Like there's that, no yeah.
0: reason it would have skin. Why would? it? Yeah, yeah. Musical instruments that are designed for the use of humans. So therefore, if there are any parallels, it's almost like parallel evolution is that what kind of you're saying so you start with a mechanomorphic yeah um design based approach yeah if it so happens that it has arms yeah and a mouth
1: and so so at this point like it's not like you're designing from scratch you're being inspired by the existing robots and then building on that Mm. and developing on that yeah so thinking mechanomorphically from what we already have and how we can improve on that
0: yeah, unfortunately, anthropomorphic uh, style robots get all the attention, don't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, but I don't think it's necessarily good attention. You see, anthropomorphic yeah, robots, yeah, and you
0: shit yourself. You think yeah. of the Terminator and so on, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a whole uncanny valley idea, which yeah, I guess I guess most people know about. So like, you know, as it gets closer and closer to being human, it suddenly enters this valley where it becomes really creepy and strange.
0: I guess when we're talking about creativity, is there a process for creativity in the robotic sense? How would you program it to be creative? Maybe it's more develop an outcome that demonstrates creativity. Is there a process, I guess? Yeah.
1: I mean, so really a whole AI pipeline relies on stealing information from humans. So mm. you'll start by listening to their recordings. So, to do an example, let's say training Shimon to play marimba and improvise. So, to develop that creative process, the first thing is training on a whole lot of data. And the first time, like the first time through the training, it will sound terrible, like it will have no meaning. And then, as it trains over and over, it loops and loops through, it gets better and better until it sounds yeah. closer and closer.
0: So, can I pause you there? So, that's almost like in creative terms, that a lot of people will say, uh, you've taken the brief. The brief of the robot is um, play. An instrument and be, um, what would you say? Um, you've got to play with other humans, you've got to play with a whole bunch of collaborators, you've got to improvise, you've got to, you've got to play the marimba. That's yeah. basically your broad brief. The human gets the brief. I'm sort of advertising agency setting yeah, yeah. here. You go off and do research, you pull it, pull as much research in as you possibly can to seek some inspiration. Is that a good parallel? Yeah, no, that's yeah. a very good
1: parallel. So, yeah, yeah it's pulling all information you can, sure, researching everywhere. Uh, like an important part of that is discarding bad information as well. Yeah, and so that's probably what you're doing as a human researching a new topic. You, you'll find lots of things, but there's things that won't help you, and you want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that'll be that first stage, really learning and taking in, choosing the right data.
0: Sure. What's the second step?
1: The uh, second step will be training on that and learning as much as you can from that. Yeah,
0: and is that through making connections between the right data or?
1: Yeah, so it would just, like, iterate through, like, learn from the data each time. So in the case, like, a, a good example from a network I worked on was it would learn, it would take in the first four bars of music and then it tries to predict the next four. Um, and so yeah, is, yeah. how close it gets to predicting that is starting to learn what will probably come next. Mm, and then mm. that's how it eventually improvises, by hearing four and then, then playing uh-huh. what it thinks should come next in that four.
0: Is there a step prior to the improvisation
1: yeah so th- I think there's two steps there so the first one is like through the research is combining a whole lot of different sources mm. and that's that's one thing robots can do over humans it can listen to all the music in the world and then combine that or it can listen to yeah. a specific 10,000 one day yeah. the next day and so that's a big part of the creative working out how to combine these different things in different ways mm. but mm. One, one of the other really th- things I like a lot about robots over a software system is then to play backwards created it has to work out how to do that so like uh if you think of a robot that has four arms the arms can't just jump everywhere they're stuck down they can't they mm. can't do everything in the world so it then has to translate that to itself the same way if you were singing a melody and then tried to translate it to trumpet that in itself is kind of a like creative process that changing over. yeah yeah and so that that kind of adds this uniqueness to the robot and a unique interpretation because it's had to work out its own way of playing
0: oh that's really interesting yeah it's funny It's like this dichotomy between like when i'm thinking robots i'm thinking hard technology versus soft philosophical kind of concepts and biology. And it's really, really, really interesting the way that that all becomes blurred, you know, when we're talking about creativity now, because the question of what is creativity and, you know, if you read the Augustin Fuentes's book, The Creative Spark, he talks about, um, you know, our ability to be creative and imagine the past and the present and the future being key to our evolution. And then you, you kind of think about what the work you're doing in um, robotics and it feels as though they could be on a similar evolutionary path to, to humans, you know, and what is? Is, hu- is creativity a truly human trait or is it just a... Uh, um, and collaboration being one that is another, one of those things that sort of required us, you know, we had to be collaborative in our societies is and it's and, and our success as a species, is that a truly human trait? If humans are a social collaborative species and there's those evolutionary benefits baked in that, into our culture, why would we need to collaborate with robots, like, evolutionarily? Like, why, how does it benefit us? Because um, I started by saying, isn't a robot a tool, not a collaborator, you know, and what would the evolutionary benefit be to having robots as an equal collaborator? I
1: mean, I think it, it can be just a totally different collaborator. So yeah. it can totally change the way you work if you have a robot coming in and saying different yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, in the rapping, Dash even said that, like, it has inspired him and kind of changed the way he will approach rapping situations. Yeah, because yeah. Because you hear answers that are unexpected, you hear different answers, can take in different perspectives. Mm. I, I see, like, I mean, so also I think... This is jumping a bit away from your question, but the idea, like, music and all these things have been inspired by technology forever. Yeah, yeah. There's obviously yeah. The, the transition to having a piano change the way music works. Yeah. Changes the instruments, uh, adding a drum pads. All these things have... Music's really been shaped by technology yeah. overall yeah. throughout time. And so robots can help shape the future of the way things sound.
0: Yeah. Um, Richard Dawkins has said that um, robots will one day replace us. Yeah, he believes that there's nothing in our brains that violates the laws of physics that couldn't be reproduced in technology. So there is no reason why in the future we shouldn't reach the point where a human-made robot is capable of consciousness, feeling pain, and creativity. I added creativity because... um, Yeah. It's a better story. <laughs> so, I mean, with that that's the question around will creative robots eventually replace us.
1: Maybe at some point. I don't think we're anywhere near that sort of technology in that way. But for me, there's just this huge unknown about how the oh, brain works in sure. creativity. Yeah. And, yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's
0: impossible to say. Do you think we'll be using, I mean, it's the irony, right? We'll be using robots to better understand our brain to then better be able to maximise human potential. I
1: think that... uh AI has been distracting for some research and there's other people who are more established in like brain, understanding brains this. Mm. but people kind of impose the way AI as if that's the same way brains work and yeah. it's not yeah. really necessarily that it's the same way brains work at all. Yeah. And yeah. so it's easy to learn the wrong things about a brain and make these wrong assumptions.
0: Stepping aside from your research, mm. do you have any other sort of creative pursuits that keep you busy uh,
1: you know it's, it's sort of everything becomes the a side in a way like yeah, everything yeah. becomes the main thing that's kind of been like my life projection I like perform and then so I, I perform music normal music with people often as well like that's yeah, still it's yeah. yeah. kind of a creative output it's also part of like the job so
0: and you play the guitar and the saxophone
1: so I properly play saxophone flute and clarinet like that's sure, what I did my undergrad sure. degree and I do play guitar and bass but that, the partly just because people like that with the robot, I found when I was playing saxophone, it's very like dominant. a saxophones a dominant instrument where I can kind of have fun on bass behind it and be less yeah, yeah. less imposing
0: on bass. And so.
1: It's also fun I get to pretend to be a bass player.. <laughs> <stage> <laughs> and perform.
0: When you are doing your own creative stuff, what's, what's your, your personal creative, human creative process? My um, human process, yeah, I mean, it's similar to a robot, I like
1: so I'm working on a video game right now. And so the process is listening to lots of similar video games, playing some games, and then thinking about what's there. And then, you know, that's the thing about the creativity and AI and all this stuff is I don't really know. I just sit down and I play piano, yeah, work out yeah. some ideas, put them in, go back and forth, listen, decide what's better, yeah. improve. Yeah. And so it's fine. That creative process, though, really, is actually the same way I do everything. So if I'm writing software, it's the same idea. Mm. Like, I find everything is a creative process for me. I think yeah. possibly for everyone, like... Anything where you try and make something new or change something or do something. Mm. Even, uh, I don't know, I can't think of something as an upgrade process. Yeah. Making them a basic sandwich has creativity in that.
0: Shimon could replace his strikers with fingers that could hold bread. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. and 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 being que- really creative with the type of sandwiches it builds, right? You know, yeah, absolutely. Like replace a Subway guy with Shim on the, yeah. the sandwich maker, and he could just come up with some crazy.
1: so that that would be back to that definition of crazy. That would be very novel, but there's not really coherence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that, no yeah. coherence. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. It was novel yeah. and coherence. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. In terms of uh, your advice for people who um, want to pursue more creative fields like you have, both academically through research or just generally, like just to get out there and develop some of that creative confidence and start making things and practicing and flexing those creative muscles, what would your advice be? Well, that's a tough one. I mean, the obvious advice is just like
1: everyone's first thing is bad. It's always like you're going to learn and develop over time like my approach is always just being do whatever is interesting and then like really dive into that and then Mm -hmm. everything ends up connecting and so actually one of the things i'm really happy about is that like i've done this work in music i've done computer stuff and then i've been able to combine everything into what i do yeah and so i think seeing creative pursuits through what you already know is a really powerful way to look at it that's
0: really cool so almost like take all the things that you already know and you're already interested in and try and find a vehicle to be able to Do more of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so
1: when I I did my undergrad in jazz performance, and so when I was like coding originally, I was kind of had this worries about, oh no, my undergrad. I'm not like I'm pretending here. I'm not like a proper Mm. software guy because I didn't do an undergrad in that. But you start to realize that all these skills are related. Like having learned how to study music, process music, read music, and then that those skills translate to other fields. So that translates to how you write code, thinking about these problems. And the other way is definitely true as well. Like if you're writing code you can then translate those skills to other areas. And
0: so I think everything you do really has creativity and those skills can translate. Mm. Music and coding seem like an interesting combination. Like mathematicians are always, or musicians are always touted as being really good mathematicians and vice versa. I wonder why that is. I mean, if you had any thoughts on...
1: Yeah, you know, the, the relationship's interesting. There's different layers to this. Like very fundamentally music is, you know, signals in a room. It is mathematical... Mm you can think of it, like in a computer, it becomes a mathematical numbers and there's Mm. different signals there. Uh, Like musical theory at a higher level, the chords and the way they relate is all like a mathematical thing. You have progressions Mm. of the one, four, five and then the relation between four and the numbers there and the scales. So like the Western way of thinking is really heavily inspired by mathematical thinking.
0: The Western way of thinking, do you have to factor in cultural variations and fundamental sort of structural foundations of music in various different cultures?
1: Yeah, so that's a big part of why I'm doing rapping and drumming because i really Mm. want to focus on rhythm Mm. so like the the western classical tradition really precedents pitch and the is pitch as like fundamental to all music and how we understand music sure so if you think of like uh sheet music notation where you have the notation across there you'll have like you know so you have four beats in the bar you have these very specific divisions Mm. and that but and so the pitch is there but that's actually not at all how it's played like that's a very very broad representation the variation Mm. between each of those four notes is completely different between people sure and so in Western classical music, that translates pretty well. But that doesn't capture anything that represents other styles of music. Do you
0: have to have like a universal standard when it comes to that? So is that part of the process? So strip away the cultural restraints and create a universal standard, almost like mathematics in a sense. Yeah. And then sort of build the layers of context and culture on that once you've established that.
1: Yeah. And so that's another thing. So in like computer music and AI, MIDI is a really common approach. And so MIDI what it does, it has the notes from zero to 127. Mm. And so middle C would be 60. Ah, right, uh, and then it right. has a set length. And so that that's really restrictive again. And so I, this, I try and step away from media. Like I don't use media in my work because mm. that's again like this Western paradigm that kind of forces you into a certain way of thinking. Mm. And this is, um, you'll get people who like really disagree with that statement. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think the representation is really important. So stepping back and thinking, well, this is the way we represent certain types of music from yeah. people who have, like, got this historic precedent and have imposed their representation of music. But this isn't a good way to represent lots of different other types of yeah. music. Yeah, And so I'm not going to claim I can make a universal representation, but I definitely try and center the representation of music in new ways as, like, a start of a system. Mm. So mm. so even, like, with something like rhythm, instead of having it on a grid like that, there's no there's no need to have a grid. We yeah. can have... You know, there's 44,000 samples. You can split it 44,000 times a second, 40,100 mm. times a second. You can have these huge ratios of yeah. where the
0: rhythm can actually be. It's interesting, like some regions produce music that seems so alien. What are the more abstract cultural examples of music that doesn't follow the same sort of Western principles?
1: This is not the most abstract, I don't think, but I have a good example of it. So I have a friend who's working on Carnatic violin, like Indian music. Mm. And so... Mm he has a violin that's playing a robot a robot playing the violin all right and so but for him to do that it's been a really complicated process he had to collect a whole lot of new data because the way the way the pictures work isn't exactly the same isn't the same at all as in western music Mm. and so all these libraries all these things already exist you can't just translate there this is exactly when MIDI doesn't work it's a very different language Mm. to uh, even though it's sort of I feel like it's kind of mainstream like people have probably heard that sort Mm. of sound music at this point especially in Australia or Places like that, mm. but it's just not represented in the computer area, and so it needs this new representation. It needs these new way, simple techniques, uh, need new approaches
0: in the mm. representation. So you're saying it's like a, it's like a violin, like a, a it's a, a violin equivalent, an Indian equivalent of a violin is that what you? No, so he's playing violin. Oh, he's playing violin. No, the robot's playing. The violin. violin. Okay, so the sorry, the playing robot's violin.
1: playing violin. Sorry, but so I'm, I'm like certainly no. expert, so I don't but want to
0: playing it in.
1: Yeah, in the kinetic... In the kinetic. And so there's, like, uh, a technique called gamakas where you go into a pitch. It's sort of, like, sliding into the pitch, but it's not exactly like that. Sure, yeah. And so, like, media
0: representations of pitch make no sense for that type of music. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder, culturally, like, to where in Australia now, and I know you've moved from the States, I mean, things like songlines, culture beyond culture in a communal, cohesive sense, but culture in a way of sharing wisdom, um, past and future wisdom, could there ever be a way we could um, use that cultural overlay once we've established this universal platform and foundation? Could we help Indigenous Australians, for example, through song lines, r- salvage some of those song lines or share them through music? Yeah,
1: I mean, that would be an amazing project. I, like, I really love that idea. Yeah. I think it, the answer is yes. I definitely could. It obviously it couldn't be driven by me as like a not indigenous person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, like I think the idea is really strong, uh, and like yeah, I would love to see something like that happen or help something like that happen in any way. Mm. I, I mean, I have to, like the counter to that though is I have a friend who's also uh, he made a santour bot. so santour is like the Persian instrument with uh, hammers that you hit on the side. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. And so he made like so from Iran, he made the robot that plays that and so like like raghav who did the indian kinetic music he had to go back and there's no data set for that it's not like you just mm. download sound a data set but he found a lot of they don't have notation and people didn't want to give him notation ah right because yeah, it's an yeah. old tradition you it's a tradition yeah for sure 100%. you shouldn't have it written down yeah and so there's always sort of barriers between for him he's like people are forgetting it you know yeah, you know, yeah. The politics of Iran isn't really something. for right Yeah, that's now, where I
0: <laughs> was coming at it from that perspective. Like people are forgetting it. People, I'm not saying i'm um, that's really, I can't speak on this <laughs> topic at all. I really shouldn't be, but um the fear is people will forget. You know, and people yeah. will, and that's the fear. I'm not sure if it's founded, but yeah, you know.
1: No, I think for sure, I'm finding the, like a respectful, correct way to do that is really a big challenge. Yeah. I, I think it is there. I think there is a possibility.
0: Yeah. If you had to summarise your philosophy, your work, your approach, the way you think about creativity, in a little bite of wisdom, what would it be?
1: <laughs> Bites of wisdom are hard. But I, I think for me... I'm really looking at how i can use creativity and use music and thinking about these areas as a way to improve other areas so using music and creativity to improve ai and robotics so not, not thinking just of ai as a creative partner but thinking how can we use the creative process to change how people make robots and change ai yeah. and what about human creativity can we use to actually change the way
0: these things are made if i've spoken about hip-hop bars in the past i apologize but if that was like a one sentence hip hop bar. What what would it be? <laughs> if Shimon was going to say it in response to um, a, a freestyle challenge, what would it be? <laughs> I, I, I
1: can't do a freestyle challenge. I just uh, no, I, I can't have a recorded <laughs> thing for everyone to hear forever on the uh-huh.
0: internet. Is that yeah, what, yeah, you, you couldn't summarize it in a sentence. In a sentence.
1: Yeah, a single sentence. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. how can music and creativity improve AI and robotics and how it can it improve everything, how we use technology with yeah. humanity? Yeah,
0: I, I love it. I love it. Now, um, Richard, where can people find out more about you? Where can they see more of your work?
1: Yeah, so my website's really quite up to date at the moment. And it's uh, it's just my name, so richardsavory.com, like dot ycom and, yeah, I mean, there's a contact form there. I really am interested in collaborating with everyone. And so anyone different, I'm, like, really excited about trying to explore new directions for robots and AI. and Really different approaches, very different approaches. I really like learning from people who have a completely different outlook from me or people who do a similar thing. I think anywhere in between that, you can kind of learn something from and develop ways.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure collaborating with you uh, through the hour we've spent talking about the coolest subjects in the world robots, music, rap. I mean, what else is there, man? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. creativity yeah. and so on. Yeah, thank you so much, Richard. I've really enjoyed the time in the chat. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's been great. Cheers, man. See ya. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> if you'd like to find out more about me or the B Side podcast, please visit jamesbside.com. That's one word jamesbside.com and you can follow me on instagram at b if you have any suggestions or feedback on the show please email me at hello at jamesbside.com and don't forget to rate review and subscribe the b-side with james barrow is produced by me and i really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential thanks for listening and until next episode cheers